Hey, Rashmi Sajani here. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Brave Not Perfect, a podcast featuring conversations with brave, not perfect changemakers. This week, I'm talking with Tiffany Defu, an inspiring activist, an acclaimed author, and a dear, dear friend of mine. Tiffany, tell me your name and what do you do for our listeners? My name is Tiffany Dufu, and my life's work is advancing women and girls. That's what I do. And you, your life's work is also, or your life's mission is to convince women to drop the ball. What does that mean? <laughs> Absolutely. When I encourage women to drop the ball, I'm encouraging them to release unrealistic expectations of doing it all. And I'm really encouraging them to get clear about what matters most to them, to figure out what their highest and best use is in achieving that and to really engage the people in their lives so that they can create lives that they're passionate about. And I am constantly talking about dropping the ball because I used to be someone who was terrified (laughs) of dropping balls and have essentially reappropriated the term. So you and I uh, have been friends for a really long time. And part of this book in Genesis is probably sitting around getting a couple glasses of wine with people like me who complained about, you know, their jobs or their family lives and how it felt like they were with such a huge amount of pressure to be perfect, to do everything right, to like never screw it up. Talk about that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think all of us enter our lives playing certain roles. If you're a woman, your first role is probably daughter. If you're a man, it was probably son. If you have siblings, you became a brother or a sister, a friend, a student, a worker. Some of us become wives, mothers, husbands, fathers. And if we're ambitious people, which most of us sitting around drinking the wine are, then we by default put the word good in front of all of those roles. So it's not sufficient to be a daughter. We strive to be a good daughter and a good friend and a good student and a good employee and a good wife and a good mother. And in my experience talking to all of these women's, yes, at bars, but just one-on-one over coffee and lunch, it's really clear that even though we're born in different parts of the world, to different families, different cultures, we've all ended up with the same description for, you know, job description for what it means to be a good anything. And I think that one of, you know, the secrets certainly to my success has been figuring out how to rewrite those job descriptions for what it means to be a good anything. So when you drop the ball and you know you're like intentionally not being good, how does that make you feel? Well, I've redefined what it means to be good. So I wouldn't say that when I'm dropping the ball, I'm being bad. When I'm dropping the ball, especially when I'm doing it intentionally, I am taking agency over how I've recurated the job description. So for example, one of the things that's in the good mom job description that many women feel pressure to do is to be physically present when their child takes their first steps. I can't tell you the number of women who I've heard tell me the story about how they're so stressed because they have a work event that they need to go to. They know as soon as that flight takes off that their child who is about a year old is going to start walking. They will have missed the entire event and it will have meant that they're a very bad mother. I was in California when my son first started walking and, you know, I felt terrible. Um, This is despite the fact that no, none of us could tell you that we remember who was there when we took our first steps. 
5K, but apparently in some universe, this is a very important moment in a child's life. And so really getting clear about, you know, as a mother, what really matters most to me. And for me, it's raising conscious global citizens. And what are the things that I should be doing that really reflect what I do extraordinarily well with very little effort combined with what are the things that only I can do and let that be a part of my new job description so that if I'm not there when those first steps are taken, it doesn't mean that I'm a terrible mother. Right. What I think so powerful about that is what you just said was that, you know, if we're, we think that we're doing it for our children, but really it feels like we're doing it to not be judged by others. Right. And so for you, you've really honed in on what are the things that like my son, my daughter really need for me and not what are the things that I think I have to do for them. So I'm not judged. So like we talk about like baking cookies, right. Uh, to like, you know, the winter fair or like kids class day, like, if you buy them from the store, you bake them. No one really cares, right? Well, some people, some people might care, but the point is that you don't. <laughs> I, I, my kids are both in, you know, primary school. I mean, one's eight and one's eleven. So I can tell you that there are some parents in the parent association that do care, <laughs> but Kofi doesn't, Akua doesn't, and I don't. Right. But so tell me how you feel like. How do you learn? So you know, obviously. I talk a lot about bravery, you know, we're, we're talking about bravery here on this podcast. Like, how do you learn? To me, it takes some amount of bravery, right? To, 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 to really put that aside. How do you, how do you learn how to do that? I think it takes discipline. You know, I think dropping the ball is a practice, just like yoga, just like meditation. And I am constantly asking myself what I call the drop the ball question, particularly during the time of the day when I've got a lot of emails in my inbox. I've got a lot of Slack messages from my millennial colleagues and voice messages and deadlines, which is, is doing this thing, responding to this email, picking up this phone, is that my highest and best use in achieving what matters most to me? And I have to ask myself that multiple times a day. That's part of the practice. And if the answer is no, I say, Tiffany, you've got to move on. You've got to drop the ball. Um, if the answer is yes, then I figure out how to deal with it. But I think that it's a constant practice and it's bravery, but I think it's more discipline in the little moments that really add up to the big revelation and what I consider freedom from these unrealistic expectations that all of us are really struggling with. Yeah. And what, what do we have to learn from like people like our mothers, right? Who were immigrants who had limited resources, right? Who like, it seems as though they've been dropping the ball for a long time. What did you learn from them? You know, it's really interesting. I have um, I have an interesting relationship with my mother. We're currently estranged, but for the first 16 years of my life, she did everything that she possibly could to ensure that I would, you know, grow into someone who was the most powerful change agent in my own journey. And I feel indebted to her for that. And the most important thing that she did, I think, is every day tell me, Tiffany, you are so smart and you are so beautiful and you are so loved. It used to annoy me when I was a teenager uh, that she used to tell me this every day. 
But what she was doing was really building up this sense of resiliency and this counter narrative and this counter voice in my head so that when I'm sitting in the literary theory class thinking, oh, my God, like James is so much smarter than me because he went to Yale. (laughs) Wink, wink at Reshma. And, you know, he must know more about the subject than I do to have this other counter voice saying, Tiffany, no, you're really smart. You're really beautiful and you're really loved. And if you can't understand James, might it be because James doesn't understand what he's talking about and he's not a very good communicator, (laughs) not because you don't understand the content. And so I have a lot of respect for my mom because she made that up. You know, she didn't have the kind of mother that I did. And she taught me that if you want something that you've never had before, you're going to have to do something that you've never done before in order to get it. And I feel like she did that every single day. And, you know, I, I really respect her for that. That's such a great lesson, I think, especially today for women who are running for office. You know, your passion, President of the White House Project, has done so much work, right, on inspiring women to run and to really changing the face of leadership. Like, how can women who, how can we push or, you know, inspire women to drop the ball and encourage them to run for office? How are those connected? I think that now more than ever, it's an easier sell, (laughs) Um, in part because, you know, the bar has been lowered in terms of who qualifies and who can be a political leader. You know, at the end of the day, the White House Project was able to recruit so many women to run for office because we didn't start with women in leadership. We started with pain points in communities. And we would say, look, if you know, there's an issue that's really plaguing your community that's really important, you can do something about it. And the most efficient way for you to do something about it is sitting in some kind of position of power and influence. And not only do we need you in that seat, your community needs to see you in that seat. And then finding the scaffolding to really support her in doing that, which is all about community and, you know, supporting her with how to figure out how she's going to get the money and how she's going to manage the other parts of her life. But I think at the end of the day, it starts with What is the problem that needs to be solved? And what is the best way to innovate a new solution? And at the end of the day, it's women and it's leadership that can do that. You've been on the road with the, for the book, you know, for a while, for, you know, six months plus, whatever. What, what have you, what is, what surprised you? And what, and also what have you been hearing over and over and over again? Well, the The thing that surprised me the most as someone who has a huge gender lens and is very focused on women and girls are the number of men who would come up to me after a talk to say, Tiffany, I need to drop the ball. (laughs) And I made the mistake on more than one occasion of asking a man who came up to me to have his book signed, you know, what's your wife's name, only to have him tell me, my wife, like, just write Scott, drop the ball now. Like, I'm the one, I'm the one who needs your book. So, you know, it became really clear to me last year that this whole strategy of just figuring out what matters most to you, figuring out your highest and best use to achieve that, figuring out how to engage people in your life to support you, that that's just a strategy anyone can use to manage the overwhelm and the swirl and the noise that all of us are dealing with right now. And that although my lens and what I care about is women and girls, that there are a lot of us that are managing the pressure and the unrealistic expectation, even the guys, and that, you know, we're all in this together. 
what I heard more than anything was an expression of gratitude and one phrase largely from women, which was, thank you for giving me permission to drop the ball. And so lately I've really been thinking about and exploring this idea of permission and consent and why women feel the need to have it, you know, but I suppose if you've spent your entire life being socially conditioned to follow the rules, you would need a permission slip to break it and and drop the ball. Certainly that. That's a really powerful point. I mean, I felt like I needed it when I ran for office. I was so worried that my parents would be disappointed, right? Because they had sacrificed everything to come to this country. And here I was finally making a really great paycheck. And like, I thought I was just going to let them down. And my father, I remember saying, no, I'm run, please. Thank you. You know what I mean? For making this decision. Uh, I see how unhappy you are, which is liberating. Um, So I think that that point about permission, uh, but but it is is powerful. And I think because it's about judgment, right? We're, we judge each other. We're afraid to be judged, right? There's so much that comes from, from that, um, that feeling, Oh, absolutely. You know, the the truth, though, is one of the most common questions that I got on the road last year were questions about how to manage the judgment from other people. So, you know, Tiffany, I get this. I could drop the ball. But what about my mother-in-law? You know, but what about the teacher? What about the peer? What, What about the person who's imposing those expectations? And, you know, I always start by saying, When you get to a point where you're no longer judging yourself, it's nearly impossible to judge other people. So when, you know, when I experience those expectations coming at me and they come in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of forms, I, my first response is usually empathy toward whoever is expecting me to do something that I've decided is not in my job description because their expectation that I should be present for my daughter's piano lessons or that I should show up for you know the school event has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what they've been taught women should do and must do. It often has to do with their own expectations that they're either feeling good about or not so good about. And I try to respond with love and with empathy. And I normally just smile, you know, and nod and try to reassure them that they too can break free (laughs) um, if they so want to. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Brave Not Perfect. Got a question for me? Send us a note at bravenotperfectpodcast at gmail.com or call in directly via the Anchor app on your phone. Every week, I'll answer questions from listeners like you on topics ranging from women in politics, feminism, education policy, and diversity in tech to what it's like running a company or just being a mom. I want to hear from you. Send me your questions. Until next time, this has been